1: What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and we have the last. The remaining, this is no more. This is the last draft episode, and we're going to be coming in with rapid fire. We're going to give you a lot of the players that we like, but possibly will be in the second round you might catch one of them floating into the into the first round potentially, but really these guys are going to be uh, hit or miss. Uh, but most of these guys are going to be all in the second round. I don't know if they'll be there with the Grizzlies uh, pick at forty seven, but I guarantee one of them will. Does that is that is that good? Is that good enough for everybody? <laughs> all right, we have with us uh, Ryan. He's back. I am on location. You're on location. We are out in the middle of nowhere, but far far from each other far than we normally are so how is the beautiful city of Sykeston Missouri treating you it
0: is I'm very worn out um, I've basically been in a gym watching basketball uh, basically from 9 a.m to 6 p.m so back legs but everything hurts and the uh, thing is, i got to do it all again tomorrow. But it's a lot of fun. We're here for a little tournament. Um, so, yeah, now that I get to uh, sitting at the hotel, get to fit in a little draft talk, you bet.
1: All right, well, this is the last one. So we're going to make it easy on you, Ryan. We're going to give you rapid fire. <laughs> I don't want much out of you. I just want to give a, a little bit to the people. Just, just, just a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot. Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and start. And I'm going to start off with with your favorite, because I want you to give me all you got on the first one. And after that, really, you can just screw off like the people aren't listening at that point. But the first one, there's probably, a, you know, a few people still listening. So let's go ahead and get into this guy. And I know you like him. He is Ryan Rollins. Let's go ahead and hit him first.
0: Yeah, Ryan is kind of interesting, not just because we share the same name. So I'm not showing him favoritism in that way. Um, But he started out, everyone was, oh, he's probably a late first round pick. And, oh, there's a lot of things. You'll be surprised by Ryan Rollins. He could shoot up draft boards. Well, he's kind of done the opposite. And there's, there's opposites of combine guys, right? Like Jalen Williams shoots up draft boards because of his measurements and his combine stuff. Daylon Terry, the same thing. Uh, Ryan Rollins has kind of stayed about the same or regressed a little bit. Um, so he's his measurements came back. He's six two and no shoes, six nine and three quarter wingspan, which is great. Uh, but he just doesn't pop athletically too much. Three thirty and a half inch no step vert but blazing fast sprint with the 3.07 second sprint. But he was at Toledo, he had to do everything. He was the offense guy, averaged almost 20 points per game. Really interesting as a one, one-on-one one player. Um, he does have good pick and roll navigation, can really shoot it from anywhere. The biggest thing, of course, is the defense. And That's the thing with all of these guys that we're talking about in the second ground, uh, second round, at least for the most part, is... They have one or two big question marks that keeps them being out of the first round, whether it's athletically on the offensive side of the ball, can he shoot or for a lot of them is, can he defend? And Ryan Mullins is one of those with. There's not a lot of tape that makes him look great defensively. Now he has potential to be an interesting help side defender um, because he does have really long arms so he can, guard a little taller than what he is um, but he did not seem to be a guy with great acceleration so it's kind of a question mark on defense is he going to be able to stay in front of NBA guards if he had a hard time with his you know mid-tier D1 guards who are definitely not playing in the NBA so uh, his catch and shoot I think everybody was thinking that You know, since he scored 20 points per game, he's just this phenomenal catch and shoot guy. And the numbers are maybe a little overrated on his catch and shoot stuff, but I actually am not worried by them. I think he projects to be a good shooter. Um, He's just an interesting grab in the second round because it's kind of consensus where he is in the 35 to 45 range. Uh, So I like Ryan Rollins out of probably everyone that we talk on this list. Now there might be some that are equals um, and I'll be quicker on those, but Ryan Rollins is an interesting player who was getting a lot of buzz early for being a twenties pick in the first round. And now he's fallen into the second round, all of a sudden post combine. So there's potential for value there. If he happened to fall that far for
1: the Grizzlies. Yeah. So this guy is obviously, he's going to be a shooter. He's he's someone that, take a swing on but he is undersized right so he already has that knock the defense isn't there so there's a lot to love but there's also a lot to know and see that might not actually translate to the nba level so um hit or miss on this guy as long as as well as everybody else right uh but let's go ahead and keep on going we're gonna go a little bit faster on this uh caleb houston out of michigan
0: yeah he's a wild card because at Michigan he was supposed to be the step in like knockdown shooter sniper. And he just wasn't that he was real up and down and consistent. Um, so there's starting to be a lot of like, he, I don't believe unless I got this wrong, he just didn't do the combine or scrimmage. Um, and people are kind of confused why he turned it down. I know some people were in COVID protocols and missed, um, I'm not sure what his situation was that, but there was a lot of, oh, he's got a promise buzz. And I mean, if you're Caleb Houston and you're a freshman at Michigan, I don't know all the situation with Michigan, the NIL and all that kind of stuff, what kind of money he gets, but I'm probably not coming out of the draft to get a promise in the second round. So I don't know if he does have a promise in the first round and who that would be. But he's an interesting prospect because he's kind of the prototype you want for 3 and D, right? Like, He's long, lanky, um, or he's not lanky. He's a little more built. But the potential for the shooting is what got him at Michigan and what has got him entering into the NBA draft and people are still talking about him. I just think that those numbers with that shooting are actually a little overrated. I think there's potential that Maybe he's not actually a good shooter Hmm. because the cop before was he's Cam Johnson. Right. And that's probably unfair to Cam Johnson because every guy that comes out at six, seven or six, eight, not as athletic, but can shoot threes. Everyone's going to compare him to him. Um, But that's kind of a credit to him too, as well. So maybe it's a good thing that we compare everyone to Cam Johnson now, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if he's actually a good shooter. And I think that's the thing that's kind of wait and see. I'll be interested to see where he goes on draft night because it is odd that he didn't do all the combines and measurement stuff. Um, but he's an in- intriguing player. I especially don't see him lasting that long in the second round or else I don't think he would have come out and not done the workouts.
1: Yeah, he has definitely some upside, right? He's he's a young guy. He's a freshman this year, six, 205. Uh, but what I look at is just, just honestly, some of the last few games that he played, like the second round against Ohio State, thirty-three minutes, zero points, two rebounds, assist. Like I, I don't know what you're doing for thirty-three minutes, but it wasn't yeah. much. And then he played Tennessee. Uh, looks like it was in the second round of the um, the NCAA tournament. Thirty-two minutes, zero points, three rebounds, no assist. Like that is where. There's a big drop off from there is potential there, but he's gonna take a couple of years, if not a few years. And it's probably a guy that's gonna be in the G League for a little bit. So um definitely somebody who you want to grab with potential in the second round, take a flyer on him. He has the size, right? The shots there. He just needs a little bit more. Uh, but it's gonna eventually happen. It's just who's gonna take the chance on him and who's got the time to put into him. All right, let's keep it going. Ron Harper Jr. Yeah, this is my
0: probably would have been my dark horse um, in the second round or potentially to go undrafted guys, deep second round undrafted. And now he's kind of moved up to where he's probably solidly in the middle second round. But this is just a guy who's a good basketball player that knows how to play basketball. I mean, how many times did you see for Rutgers? He was hitting the biggest shot, making the best plays. And obviously he looks bigger. He looks out of shape. He's not elite size, but, the Grizzlies have rolled dice on guys that can play basketball and it's worked out just fine. So is he more limited? And yes, absolutely. Like not saying that he's a perfect prospect at all, but I just, for someone like Ron Harper, who I know is a guy that can play, he is interesting to me in the second round at 47, if he's there. Um, because I just want basketball players on my team so I can have worse swings um, going for some huge upside guy in the late second round that's never going to play for you versus Ron Harper Jr., who could potentially be in my 10-man rotation.
1: Yeah, Ron Harper Jr. is going to find him a spot on a roster somewhere in the NBA. You can better believe that. He has a size 6'6", 245. He's put up numbers every single year. So I believe in guys like that. Uh, you might he might not jump off the radar. He might not have the ceiling that some people think that other players have, but he's still a good player. So um, I like Ron Harper Jr. I think he's going to be a, a guy who puts up numbers and a little bit of do everything on a team, uh, especially a good team. All right, let's keep it going with Max Christie out of Michigan State. Yeah, this is the biggest wild card for me because forever it was like, oh, this guy's a
0: lottery potential lottery pick. And now it would, and then it became, well, maybe he's a in the 20s first rounder. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, there's a lot of question marks. Maybe he'll go mid second round. So there's obviously talent there to even be initially considered to be a potential lottery pick. And how much of that is, you know, for into the podcast, Tom Izzo and his system, right? It just does not feature players. We saw Draymond Green, you know, Xavier Tillman. Triple J. Um, These are guys who, you know, are not featured and have to play a specific role. So, Max Christie has not done any favors in being in that system. But with the Grizzlies' history, you know that they love guys that come from that team, right? Because they're coached well. Um, They're usually competitive as all get out. So, Max Christie is an interesting prospect. I would go with it just based on the upside, like, there's just no way that everyone evaluated him being a potential mid teens potential lottery pick to all of a sudden he's in the 40s for like i just don't i don't understand how that evaluation could change that drastically over a span of a couple months um so the thing about him is he's got the athletics like he can jump um he's got the potential to be a really good shooter i don't know if he's going to be any kind of ball creator but he is like a off the ball catch and shoot maybe potentially attack closeout guy but he is an athlete and i think most people don't think that he is so he's a good swing if he continues to fall
1: yeah i I like max max christie and i think he's a guy that you might even take at 29 i don't love that pick but he's somebody that has the upside that if you took him at 29 you still feel fine about it Forty-seven, sure. I take him in a heartbeat. Like no questions asked. If he's there, obviously I'm looking around. Who's else? Who else is there as well? But I, I really do like him at forty-seven, especially um, that late in the rounds. But uh, pull back to Carter a little bit um, on the Tom Izzo thing. I, I I laughed at it. I put myself on mute because I was laughing. But <laughs> uh, something that uh, not everybody knows, I actually had conversations with uh, Coach Izzo, and we were. Uh, planning on do a, uh, doing a podcast in between game six and game seven to have it come out the morning, uh, the Monday morning, which would be game seven, would be in Mem- back in Memphis uh, against the Warriors. And so had him planning on coming on. Uh, shout out uh, to the guys who actually do a lot of, of the PR stuff over there. Uh, was talking with them a few times, and we, you know, both agreed that, yes, let's do game seven because it, you know, I, game six, if they lose, you know, it, it's it's just a, a podcast that goes to waste. But a yeah. game seven would have been awesome. Uh, but the Grizzlies lost in Golden State. Uh, uh, lost my chance to actually have the conversation again with, uh, with Coach Izzo about Jaron, about Draymond, about, you know, XT. So uh, that would have been a lot of fun. But you, you know we're coming back again next year. So <laughs> I, it only takes us drafting a Spartan. And that's an easy phone go. call. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get him back on the thing. So, all right, let's, uh, let's let's go on to the next guy, Keon Ellis, out of Alabama.
0: So, I think Keon Ellis is getting a lot of bump because of the Herb Jones effect, right? Like he played that same kind of role that Herb Jones did. Now, Herb Jones was defensive player of the year, and I didn't double check if Keon Ellis was defensive player of the year in the SEC this year, but I think people are trying to compare a lot of similarities between those two players: a hustle guy, defense. Instincts first, Longlanky can actually shoot a little bit, a little different than what everyone expected Herm Jones to do. I don't know if Keon will get drafted, but I think there's potential for someone to take him very deep second round because they're trying to find another Herb Jones. And this Herb Jones is just one of those people that come every few years that you just roll the dice and get lucky on. So I don't know if I'd actually take him. Um, but I think he gets the bump because everyone's trying to compare him to Herb Jones and he could do the same kind of stuff and
1: might actually have a little bit of a shot to him. Yeah, he shot, um, let's say on his career, 37% from three. I like that big fan. So I think that he can be a guy and he jumped up, you know, what seven points and to 12.1 points uh, per game in his uh, sophomore season. Okay, I'm sorry. It says he's a senior. I'm so confused. He has two years at Alabama, but he's a senior. I'm guessing he went somewhere else before then.
0: Yeah, probably transferred in. Yeah. Man,
1: God, COVID, COVID, getting all of us, man. <laughs> Everybody's seniors now. They took two years off. I, I don't know what's happening. COVID might have you know washed my brain. I don't know. <laughs> hey,
0: I don't know much about
1: Keon Ellis. Not gonna lie. Um, he's a guy that I I know probably. One of the few that I know the least about. Uh, I haven't kept up with him at all. So, um, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on moving. I know this guy, (laughs) and I'm putting him in this spot because the 6'7", 275 pounds, Kenneth Lofton Jr. Favorite player in the draft. No doubt
0: doubt about it. Um, He's like – big baby reincarnated except a little bit taller and a little bit more handle a little more sauce to him if we can say that but he was a really good player for louisiana tech he's still really young like i think he's 19 still and i believe he played two years at la tech um i could be a year off on that but i thought he was 19 but just One or two years ago, this guy was the MVP for the under-17, under-18 team. I can't remember which one. Uh, In FIBA over over Chet Holmgren. So Mm -hmm. he was just a beast. Now, he was kind of more low-post, whatever. But I think the things that everyone was kind of curious or NBA execs were curious to see of was he just going to be kind of a low-post, round mound guy. And he showed this is a draft combine winner right here, too, because he played really, really well in the scrimmages. And that can really help your stock. Not to say that he's all of a sudden a first rounder, but I think he's going to get drafted in the second round. No doubt. And only takes one crazy person to take him at 28 or 30. Um, But I would expect him in the middle to late second round as just an upside swing because of the potential for his playmaking. Like, he's just a really interesting player at that body frame. Like, he just knows how to play basketball. And you can never have enough of those guys on your NBA team because a lot of times these guys get in Lambert with guys who are maybe not actually basketball players, but they project with their size and their length and their athletic testing that they potentially could be basketball players, where Kenneth Lofton is just a pure basketball player. Um, and so I think what really helped him with uh, at the Combine is – his ability to stretch the floor, and he knocked down a couple threes at the top of the break. I think that was a big deal for him, and he showcased that skill. So I think that got him drafted. Not sure where, but if he's there at 47, you betcha I'm taking him.
1: Yeah, he's, he's the guy that you would draft. You know what you're going to get out of him, right? He's going to give you everything he has. He's not going to slim up when you get to the NBA, like he's going to grow into his man body. He's just going to get it probably a little bit uh, more leaner, but he's still going to be that thick. He's going to be that player. He's going to have that style of play. He's going to be the Zach Randolph type without, you know, much of the touch as Zach. He's going to be a guy that uh, people wouldn't consider a dog. Somebody's going to go in there and battle and be a good NBA player. Um, He is six, seven. So it's a little undersized uh but if he can figure out his you know his footwork he can be a guy who can defend as long as he's able to defend on the perimeter he can be a good nba player he's not gonna be great no way uh but in the same sense like he's a guy that can fit a need especially he can be a regular season nba player help you win some games so uh no doubt in my mind just like you said he's gonna get drafted all right next guy out of gonzaga andrew nimhard
0: yeah i've seen a lot of love from grizzlies fans to want to take him at the end of the first round or at the beginning of the second by moving up or something. Um, And I I don't know. I'm just on the fence about him hard. I get it. He's what a four year starter. I believe he's a senior and all of a sudden now he's worthy of being an NBA player because he's consistent quote unquote. Uh, I think he's a good player. I just don't think I would want him want to draft him with the idea that I'm going to replace Tyus Jones with him. I just don't think he's really that kind of guy. I think if he's going to play in the NBA at all, I think he's going to be an off the ball guy. I just don't think he has enough as a, um, initiator of offense. Now that, That term is different now than what it was five or six years ago in the NBA, right? Because you're not always initiating offense with your one. Um, But is he going to be that off-ball secondary initiator, be able to attack closeouts and stuff like that? And I just don't think he's going to be that. Uh, And his jumper is going to have to be good, which it was good. He showed really good range. I mean, we watched him put the Memphis Tigers seasons to bread. Um, with long, deep, timely threes when Gonzaga really needed them. So, yeah, he's got poise. He's an older player. He should be poised, right? He's been in a lot of basketball games. But when I think about him at an NBA level being guarded by NBA guards, like I just think about a year ago when they played Baylor in national championship, and it was – couldn't breathe. And now I'm expecting him to be my one or two – to help initiate offense or create off the ball. I just don't see it. There's just not enough there for me to be in love with enough to be like, yeah, okay, this is worth it. Um, So I think he will get drafted, I would say, in the early 30s in the second round now, where before I would have thought 50s plus, maybe not even drafted. But he's going to get drafted by a team that just needs a solid player, right? not anybody that's going to be explosive. So maybe look to a more veteran team that's trying to make a playoff push or is in the playoff picture that just wants to add a you know a a you know not a not a low ceiling but a higher floor um you know rotation guard. So I don't think he goes to someone like a Magic or someone like that, but he goes to like a veteran-laden playoff team that's just trying to fill a hole for cheap.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that completely because he, he's a guy that you can depend on, somebody that you can feel that if you're going to the bench, everything's going to be okay, not a big deal. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to play in the postseason. Like, he's, he, he might get 10 minutes, right? So he's not going to do much but he's safe. Right. So I'm okay with a player like that, but I don't need that player in particular on, you know, my team, unless I have so many answers, so many upside players that I want to go ahead somebody that's safe. Let's go with the older guy and let's go ahead and play that direction. I'm okay with that. So uh, it has to have the right team. Uh, The Grizzlies. Yes. If he's there at 47, I'm okay with that. Right. But not at 29. I I still don't like him there at that part. Um, all right, we have five guys left, three guys, the next three guys, I have no clue about. I know little about the second guy. This guy, I know the least about. Gabriel Procida? Yeah,
0: okay. Um, I think your pronunciation is right.
1: I don't think I've heard it any other
0: way. But this is a, I believe he's six seven six eight, fireball shooter. And he is really fun to watch. And I don't think he can defend anybody. This is a potential draft and stash guy, um, which, you know, Grizzlies have shown in the past, you know, before this Zach Kleiman regime, that they would do that. I cannot think of the top of my head, Zach Kleiman drafted stashing anybody. They just played everybody they drafted. So I, it depends on what's going on with the roster. But Prasida is, if you're taking him, I think you've got to stash him. I don't think you're bringing him over right away, but he's a really fun guard or wing at six, seven, six, eight that can shoot it from anywhere from three and is just pretty entertaining to watch if you can find some highlight clips of him. So there's potential there, but you're talking about one of the big swings that maybe in two or three years he's ready to come over. And even if he does come over, what's his limited role if he does? Now, it's also possible that somebody takes him and they keep him here. And he actually gets a little bit of burn. But I don't see that happening right away. If it does, I don't think it's going to go well. So this is someone that you're going to have to plan on, you know, owning the rights to. And maybe in a couple of years, he can join. you.
1: Well, I'm just going to completely say that uh, I agree everything you said all right no debate no debate at all like i i think you just spoke gospel all right let's go the next guy great
0: i could get used to this version
1: of daniel (laughs) yeah i wouldn't get used to that too much um all right wake forest jake la ravia i believe
0: that's how you pronounce it i am so good at this i believe that's how you do it
1: um
0: jake is Like, he wasn't even on my radar at all, and the only reason that he sort of is is because he keeps popping up in the second round that he's going to get picked up. Um, And some people have even said that, oh, this guy's going late first round. It's like, what? Like, I I watched a couple Wake Forest games, and he never stood out to me, and I like that about guys in college is who stands out. I thought their guard, Alondis Williams, stood out more. Um, So it's kind of surprising to me that Jake is potentially going to go higher than Alondis, who I thought is a better player. Um, But Jake is a four that in theory is going to stretch the floor and can play defense. So you're drafting him because you're wanting to replace replace Mike Muscala. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: let's be real honest about this guy. I don't think there's a huge ceiling here. I think you are looking at a very specific ninth to 11th man role player um, if the shooting comes through. So Mike Muscala, not a bad player, has carved out a nice NBA career and has gotten paid, um, has been around for a while. So there's absolutely nothing with, nothing wrong with that. And I think Jake is kind of like, we see these kind of natural replacements, right, with drafts and players after a few years. It just replaced the same kind of role guy. And I think eventually, I think ultimately that's what Jake is, as he's like a Mike Muscola type. Now they don't, Mike Muscola, they're, you know, Muscola is, I think, a little bit bigger and longer, but the role projects
1: to be about the same. Yeah. The upside here is good shooter, good size. Does he have the athletic ability to play in the game? Does his shot keep him on the floor? Yeah, mate. Like, there's a lot of questions. He yeah. is from Indiana. He's white, so I'm guessing he's going to be a good shooter. Isn't that? <laughs> isn't that the requirements of life? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Yeah, I um,
0: think so. Maybe in 1970, when Hoosiers came out. <laughs> <right.
1: but. laughs> well, our very own best shooter franchise history, Desmond <laughs> Bain from Indiana. So we're going to bring back uh, the dual Indiana guys. All right. Next guy I know a little bit about um, is John Butler. He Hmm. is tall. And when I say tall, it's his neck. That's mainly the tall part. Uh, The rest (laughs) of him, pretty long. But yeah, the neck, super long.
0: Yeah, I think you take John Butler because you could trademark jaw raff and put it actually (laughs) on his neck. Uh, No, John, (laughs) Uh, it's a marriage made in heaven. Now, John Butler is an interesting guy, right? Because he's what seven two, and strictly a three point shooter. Like he, he's really not going to do anything else. Um, he's not going to dribble. He's not going to pass. Like he's just going to be a seven foot two catch and shoot guy. And in theory, you're like, oh, that's going to be a rim protector. I don't know about that. Um, I wouldn't think so, but. This is just a guy to sit in the corner, catch and shoot, you know, be off ball. Is it going to give you much else? Probably not. But there is something there to work with. And it's just that elite size and a guy that can actually shoot from three is rare. So I would get why somebody would take him. But I think it's going to be deep, deep second round if he gets drafted at all, to be honest with you. Um, but he is kind of he just stands out like a sore thumb because he's going to be a seven foot two guy standing in the corner in summer league, just rocking threes.
1: Hey, listen, I'm down with that. He he does have some blocks <laughs> to him. He, he he only averaged you know one point two blocks, but just in the last four games, I think I think he averaged almost three. uh Just in the last four games that he had alone, so. Um, you know, as it came crunch time and in the tournament, you know, he was, you know, getting out there and doing more on the defensive end. I'm just looking at pure stats, right? I am not looking at the game yeah. film. I know nothing about him at all. Uh, but two people I do know about, two guys we're going to keep on going on, and then we're going to be wrapping up the draft episodes so far. As you all know, we have a full week of draft week episodes coming to you. So they're going to start on Monday, the twentieth. But let's go ahead and hit these two guys before I explain what we have coming down the track. So, Colin Gillespie out of Villanova.
0: Yeah, Colin is interesting because you're talking about off-ball. If you're going to be off-ball and not an initial, initial, you know, or secondary creator, you've got to be able to knock down threes, and this is what Colin Gillespie is going to do. Um, he was an elite. Three-point shooter in college, and whenever I think of Colin Gillespie, I don't think about that about him, but he was. Um, so this is the guy that, if say perchance Nimhart is gone, not saying that Gillespie is going to get drafted, he might not, but he's one of those undrafted guys that I think is going to have an interesting summer league as a Peyton Pritchard type, where he's not going to be initial, like he's not going to initiate offense, but he's just going to be a guy that's just going to stay in there, catch and shoot, knock down threes. Maybe do a little creation, but he's going to be like the pesky guy, right, on defense. He's going to D up. Um, Of course, the injury history obviously is probably ultimately going to be his downfall, but realistically, it's just the size and lack of athleticism. That gives him a very limited role, but I could see him carving out a, you know, four or five NBA career as a certain type of player. Maybe not any ever on any good teams, but he's, you need a specific skill if you're going to make it and stay for a little bit in the NBA. And he has over a lot of these guys that we're talking about in the second round who have the potential to have a lot of these skills. Um, He has one surefire skill that he's not going to do, and that's going to catch and shoot threes off the ball. So he's a late flyer if you're just feeling like it. I think he's probably a guy that you bring in for your training camp. And that's an undrafted guy, and you see how he does in summer league. Um, so I definitely wouldn't draft him, but I think he's in. You know, he, I think he's going to stick around more than what people would have thought for Colin Gillespie.
1: Yeah, you know, he's six three, right? Not a big guy. He's going to be the the old school '90s, uh, you know, point guard, you know, right? But now everybody's getting a little bit bigger. You know, point guard is trying to be like six five, so he's a little undersized but he shoots 40% from three. He's consistent. He's going to do the right things. He's going to get the ball to the right people. He's a good basketball player. I like him more than Andrew Nimhard just personally. Uh, Nimhard has a little bit more size on it, but if I'm choosing one or the other, I'm going to go with Colin Gillespie. I don't love either one, but if you're looking for somebody that might go undrafted, he might be the guy that you bring into camp and hope that maybe if you do lose Tyus, you can bring him in to win the backup role. Who knows? All right, last guy, and we've had some technical difficulties uh, with giving this last one. Uh, we were trying to record the last one, and, and something happened with the audio, and so I'm going to do this one by myself. Uh, Ryan's not going to be able to give any insight, but it's the last guy, right? And I know the most about him, and that is Trevor Kills out of Duke. He's a 6'4 guy. He's 220, so he's thick. He has a good shot, right? He, he shot 31% from three. He did a lot for the for the Blue Devils. He rebounded well, assists, steals. He scored. He's young. He's a freshman. And I think he's a player that if he's there in the second round, I think he's okay to go get. I don't think that he's ever going to completely change your team, but he's a guy that if you put on your team, you can feel comfortable that if you're looking for a backup point guard, He's going to be that. He could flourish just like Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley when they were both there. Kyle Lowry just became almost too good, and they had to move on from him because he was not going to be in the position that he wanted to be in to where he wanted to be a starter, such as where Tyus is now. Tyus might want to be a starter, and he might think he's capable of doing that, and other teams might think he's capable as as well. But if that doesn't happen, then Tyus could come back on a short-term deal, like a one- or two-year deal. And so I would never go into a draft looking to draft a backup point guard, personally. I think there's a lot of good talent, especially veterans in the league, that you could bring in to run your second unit, but your second unit is pretty young. So if you could find a guard that you like, that you kind of mold, that could play off of jaw a little bit, I think that's a guy you could go get. And I think that guy would... Honestly, be Trevor Kills. I like his body coming into the NBA over Colin Gillespie. Colin Gillespie has a better shot. He has you know better handles. But Trevor Kills has the ability to grow, uh, mature, and honestly get better and be a better creator than Colin Gillespie is. So I don't know who I would take, and it might be just my bias showing in general, but I really do like Trevor Kills. I just don't think I would be the guy who would jump up and grab him in the first round. Now, I think the Grizzlies have a chance to package their all their picks and split them into two picks, where you move up into the second round and you move up into the first round. That might be the potential that I like, and I think that actually could be the direction that they go. Because you cannot have three picks this year. They have 12 players under contract already. So there has to be some kind of trades or something happening to actually consolidate this roster as is. That would give them their 15-man roster, right? And that's how many you're supposed to have. But let's think about this logically. That means that they did not get any better. They were not making any trades to consolidate. They're going back without a Kyle Anderson, without a Tyus Jones. So you lose... Majority of your veteran leadership. And I just don't see the the Grizzlies going into the season without any veteran leadership. It just doesn't make sense to me. No matter how good these young guys are getting, there has to be some vets on the team to kind of help with locker room throughout the regular season, throughout playoff basketball. There needs to be that. So that's all we have. I want to say thank you for sticking around. These have been uh, an absolute blast that we've done. And it's been a lot of fun, and I hope everybody kind of got a little bit from these. We were not going to be able to go super in-depth, but it gave us a chance to give a little insight about each player that I've seen through you know, Grizz Twitter uh, over the, you know, the course of looking through uh, the Internet and looking at different mock drafts. So we tried to hit on as many players as possible, and obviously we're going to miss your favorite player. Everybody's going to have that player, and we missed them. I'm sorry. That's all I can say. But we have so much more coming up. Uh, We're about to record uh, the Grizz Lead Roundtable uh, with predictions about what we're doing. Uh, That's going to come out the week of draft week. So this will be the last podcast you hear before Monday the 20th. When Monday the 20th gets here, we're going to have a podcast come out each and every day. We're also going to go live live on Spotify Live with Sleepers Media on Tuesday night at 7.30. Tuesday, 7.30, over at Spotify Live. Make sure you come in and tune in. Uh, We're going to be able to answer questions that are coming up in the chat. If you want to come up and ask a question on the stage, uh, all you have to do is request to speak, and we'll bring you up there and let you ask the question to those guys as well as myself, and we'll try to see what we could do to give you your answers and find out, you know, if we could figure out who the Grizzlies should go after, because there's so many directions they can go, but it also excites me so much. All right, so buckle up. We have lots of podcasts coming out, so make sure you stay tuned. It's about to get fun. And this week, I cannot wait. I'm actually going to be out in Texas as we record all these Uh, Going to spend some time with family, so I will be on the road doing all of this, but it's going to be something each and every day, and it's going to be so much fun. Leading up to the draft on June 23rd, so make sure, tell everyone, tell your friends, tell your family, anybody that likes the Grizzlies, we're going to have the content coming out this week. I don't know of anybody else doing as much as we're doing before the draft, So make sure you tune in. And then after the draft, I have something already set up. I can't reveal it just yet because we haven't set down on an actual time. But I've confirmed a guest that I promise you, you're going to know. He was a deadly, deadly three-point shooter out of Duke. A deadly three-point shooter out of Duke. And so I have him coming on the podcast We're going to be able to break down the players that the Grizzlies were able to draft. And if they happen, so happen, to draft a Duke guy, it's just going to be a perfect storm. But it also gives us a chance to talk about Tyus Jones and whether or not um, they should bring him back. I want to get his honest opinion. And And realistically, they could have made trades or they could have signed Tyus by that point. So who knows? But we're going to wait until after the draft to bring him on not going to rebuild it just yet but just remember deadly three-point shooter all right that's all we have make sure you rate review subscribe and tell some friends that way we uh we blow this thing up we're we're heading up the mountain man and i am so excited so i can't thank you all enough for hanging on uh just in our first year so this is the content you're going to get i hope you love it be nice and tell your friends